Welcome to the first ever episode of the Weekden Update. We are so excited to be bringing you a weekly show on the Grizzden podcast feed. If you missed our other episodes this week, we introduced um, this podcast that we're going to be releasing once a week. We also delved into some NBA futures, some NBA over-unders. We had a lot of content that we churned out for Grizzden this week. We are also joining uh, the Basketball Podcast Network. We're, we're pumped for that partnership. We're also introducing a new sponsor, DraftKings. There's a lot going on, and I'm going to welcome John Kraft to the Weekend Update. John, what's up? Hey, I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited to be um, to have a weekly podcast. I think a lot of my friends and family are excited for me to have this time to talk Grizzlies, so hopefully I won't bother them with multiple highlights uh, sent to them in text threads. Uh, I don't know if I can promise that, um, but I'm very excited about uh, being able to talk Grizzlies every week. Yeah, John, so what what are we going to talk about week to week? What's yeah, this going to look like? So I think uh, we're going to you know, every week check in with the news of the week, any, any big news um, or even minor news surrounding the Grizzlies. And then we're going to talk about um, that last week in games, what's happening uh, with the Grizzlies and kind of talk about what we see in the games. We're going to also look ahead to the next week um, and then uh, and then not just talk Grizzlies, but then I think both of us would like to, as as huge NBA fans, also give maybe one, maybe two um, takes about the league, um, some teams we're doing. And, and obviously in the news segment, especially if it impacts the Grizzlies or the Western Conference, we'll talk about that as well. But it's kind of a fun weekly check-in that'll be a little different um, than maybe the more deep dives of the other podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And we're still going to bring you a Grizzden podcast. Uh, the goal is once every two weeks, and that'll be a place where we can you know, be a little bit more loose, fire off some some takes, bring time, Brantley in. Hopefully we'll get them on some of these weekly podcasts too, um, to, to dive a little bit deeper into Grizzlies uh, news and notes with us. Uh, but we are pumped for this podcast. We are going to try and, um, and make it as consistent as possible. But there are often times when the Grizzlies will play a Friday night, they'll play a Saturday night, or they'll play both Friday and Saturday. And that's actually happening the first weekend of the season. So next week, we might be uh, waiting to record until Sunday because we want to react to those two games. So it'll be totally dependent upon the Grizzlies schedule, but we want to bring you one of these episodes uh, between Friday and Sunday each week. That's going to be our goal. Um, Kraft, with that said, we have our news segment here where we're going to go through all of the news and on a week-to-week basis, this might be this might this list might be a little shorter. But for this very first one, we want to bring everyone up to date from the very end of the Grizzly season to now. What are all the news uh, points that happened from the point at which the offseason started up to the beginning of the regular season? What are we going to watch out for? So we're going to bring all of that to you right now. Where are we going to start, John? Yeah. So uh, going all the way back to June thirteenth. Beginning of the summer, uh, Jenkins, um, our coach, runner-up to Coach of the Year last year, he signed a multi-year extension. Terms are not disclosed, as typical Grizzlies fashion, keeping things secret. Uh, but that's very exciting. I think uh, he's been a home run hire. Uh, I, I, you know, have these dreams of the kind of Popovich Tim Duncan relationship. Um, and a Jenkins jaw relationship going forward. Um, he's, you know, he seems to be completely connected to the front office. Um, I think this was a no brainer. I'm glad he's signing up for, to be with us longer. On June 23rd, 
we had the NBA draft, and the first move of the night for the Grizzlies was we traded the number 22 and number 29 pick to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for the number 19 pick, as well as a 2023 second rounder. We selected Jake Laravia out of Wake Forest with that pick. And then um, very quickly afterwards, uh, we traded DeAnthony Melton uh, to Philadelphia for the number 23 pick, um, the uh, the bowling ball pick, as Ty said, um, uh, of and drafted David Roddy. We also got Danny Green and the number 23 pick, actually, um, which is sometimes forgotten because it became kind of a debate about Melton versus uh, Melton for Roddy. But we also got Danny Green in the trade as well. And oh, by the way, if you will, uh, we also traded our 2024 second round pick and cash to San Antonio for the number 38 pick. And we selected Kennedy Chandler, friend of John Morant out of Tennessee, maybe a backup point guard of the future. We'll see. Right. And then we also uh, drafted Vince Williams Jr. with the number 47 pick. Um, Very much a typical um, 3 and D fill up the stat sheet type Grizzly pick. Yep. On July 1st, we officially signed Kenny Lofton Jr., to a two-way contract, and he has quickly become a fan favorite. We have the chance at the preseason game because we want to see Snack Randolph play. We also, by the way, didn't extend Kyle Anderson on that same day, and then that led to uh, all that happened next. Yeah, and then I, I still remember this because I was um, uh, we were traveling, um, going on vacation, 4th of July weekend, but July 2nd, um, it was announced right before the kind of crazy free agency period. It was announced that Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, was going to miss four to six months following surgery for stress fracture and a right foot. Um, fortunately, right now, it looks like that's more on the four months than the six-month end. Um, but that was big news at the beginning of July. Huge news. They tried to bury it, which was smart. But then, of course, Grizzlies fans, they weren't going to let that get buried. Um, well, later on that day, the Grizzlies announced that John Morant had, had agreed to a max rookie extension. Five years, $193 million is the base. That could grow to up to $231 million if Ja were to uh, hit some qualifiers, the most likely of which, in my opinion, is making an all-NBA team. And then um, with that, uh, we announced that Tyus Jones was going to return on a two-year, $30 million deal. So we were going to bring back what most people think is the best backup point guard in the NBA. We're going to bring him back. Uh, for two years um, to uh, to play for us. And uh, people speculated about this, uh, who's going to be the second two-way spot. And Vince Williams, we signed him to a two-way contract. And so uh, both of those spots are currently taken up by Kenny Lofton Jr. and Vince, William Ju- Vince Williams Jr., two juniors. Yeah, and then on July 7th, just a few days later, one of the more intriguing moves of the summer, honestly, um, we announced that John Car- Conchar agreed to an extension when he already had several years left on his contract, but another three years at $19 million, um, that kicks in in the 24-25 season. So basically, um, you know, shoring up Conchar being here as long as Jaw is here. Um, we're, we have Conchar for a long time, for all those Jitty fans out there. It seemed like right after the Summer League, or excuse me, the free agency period, we jumped right into Summer League and the Grizzlies finished Las Vegas Summer League 2-3 and three on July 16th. And the record is not the important part to me. The more important part about Summer League is that 8 out of our presumed final 17 rostered players logged minutes at Summer League. So we had a, a pretty good uh, sample size of the players that are going to see minutes this season um, who played at Summer League, which is kind of rare. 
Yeah, and, and and interestingly enough, I feel like almost all our other roster players were there working out and uh, on the sidelines cheering them on. So very cool to see all that. Um, and then uh, really fun news, uh, August 13th, uh, the NBA announced the Christmas Day games, and the Grizzlies were set to take on the Warriors as the prime game on the Christmas Day schedule, um, which was very excited and also, I think, tells what the NBA uh, sees about the future of the Grizzlies and us becoming one of the premier uh, teams in the NBA. It, I think it was the first game that we knew the Grizzlies are going to play that had been announced prior to the full schedule releasing besides the MLK Day game. I think I think that was the very first one that uh, mm-hmm. was kind of premiered. And the NBA did release the full schedule on August 17th, and they revealed that the Grizzlies are going to have 18 nationally televised games, plus 10 on NBA TV, and that includes the first game of the season at home against the Knicks, which is going to be on ESPN. And you can go back and listen to our Grizzden Pod schedule draft and our deep dive into the schedule for our takes on on how the schedule is going to shake out. Yeah, it is. It's we're very excited about it. Most people had no idea we're going to have that many televised games. And on that note, uh, the next day, August eighteenth, after the NBA released the full schedule, it was announced that Bally Sports uh, was going to have a sort of a nineteen ninety nine per month subscription model. Um, online for the cord cutters out there to be able to stream Grizzlies games. And so if you're a cord cutter out there, there's going to be a lot of nationally televised games that you can get. Um, If you're someone who lives out of our market, uh, the other cool thing is the NBA League Pass is super discounted this year. Um, I think it's like a steal at at around $100 for the entire um, season. And you can watch all the Grizzlies games out of, you know, out of market. But for those that are in, in the Memphis market, which is a lot of uh, not just the Memphis area, but a lot of the states around Memphis, um, $19.99 a month, um, and you're going to get all the Grizzlies games you want. And that's, uh, I think, a super good deal. And I hope talking to a lot of my friends and a lot of my family members who like the Grizzlies but just were cord cutters, this is a really good, I think, cheap option for you to be able to watch all the Grizzlies games and not just see the highlights on Twitter. Let's hope Bally Sports uh, improves some of their functionality. I know that was an issue uh, for me as a cord cutter this past season. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm super glad that now we have a an opportunity for as many people to watch this Grizzlies team as possible. Um, on August 22nd, there was a report that came through from Sham Sharania that uh, the Grizzlies were in the mix for Kevin Durant, and it ended up being much ado about nothing because uh, Kevin Durant stayed in Brooklyn. And I think we theorized at one point that, you know, uh, it didn't seem like uh, the Brooklyn Knicks were going to take any package that didn't include Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr. So uh, we were pretty, uh, pretty positive on what was going to happen uh, then. But it was a pretty big day in, in this Grizzlies offseason. So worth noting. No, definitely. Um, and then September 2nd, so um, a few days later, uh, there, the report about a John ja Morant shoe deal with Nike leaked. Um, you know, Jaw denied that a deal was done, but all signs point to there being an announcement within the next year. Um, and so I'm looking towards Christmas Day, um, maybe All-Star break, maybe the beginning of the playoffs uh, to begin uh, to hear more or have some kind of awesome commercial leaked. Um, but but just uh, the biggest news is just that, that the Grizzlies have a superstar and have someone who is going to have a signature shoe um, and the Grizzlies just had never had a player like that before. Yeah, and I believe Kyrie Irving's deal with Nike was part of that. The expiration of that deal ha- already had people speculating, mm-hmm. and then uh, the the leaked tweet that Ja tried to be coy about, but um, I think we all know what's coming. Uh, okay, so then 
on ESPN, a couple weeks later, they released their top 100, which they do every year. The Grizzlies had five players on it, and we discussed this in one of our Grizzly pods as well. John Morant ranked at nine. Jaron Jackson ranked at 53. Desmond Bain ranked at 68. Dylan Brooks at 77. And Brandon Clark at 94. Job being in the top 10 is pretty cool. Um, and uh, the rest of the players, we can argue about their positioning. But the fact that there were five Grizzlies in the top 100 is something that we're not necessarily used to uh, seeing here in Memphis. Yeah. And and uh, just to pull out that DB77 for all the Dylan Brooks haters out there, um, ESPN sees him as a very good player. So 926 uh, 22 uh, was media day. And, um, we also podded about that. Uh, actually that was one of my favorite ones we did, but the notable takeaways, uh, were just optimism around Jaron. Um, that was like really started to feel like, Oh, it's going to be not Christmas, maybe Thanksgiving. And now we might even feel like it's before that, but we'll talk about that later. Um, Brandon Clark hitting in an extension, which we're actually still waiting to hear. Uh, and then, um, Sante, uh, Sonny Adama kind of being the leader in the clubhouse for the opening starting spot. And, and then the other thing that was noted is just Kleiman's focus, uh, seemingly very much on playoff success and, and focusing on team building for the playoffs and for winning a title. A few days later on September 29th, the Grizzlies unveiled uh, a new part of the FedEx forum, the big river steel edge. This is going to be a standing room only section in FedEx forum. I got to go to a preseason game, uh, recently and saw what they've done to that area. It looks very neat. I think it'll be any opportunity to bring more people into FedEx forum. Um, I'm always going to be for that. Yeah. So, and I think it also shows that they expect to have more sellouts this year. And I just, I love, um, that our, I think that our franchise, not just on the basketball side, but also just on the entertainment, the the op side, they're experimenting. They're trying to become a really cool, entertaining franchise, and I just really appreciate that. Uh, so on 9-30-22, and it's so funny that I get to announce this news because I'm terrible about fashion. Um, I'm the Gen X guy here. Uh, but the state statement uniforms were released. Um, I liked them. Uh, I... I, I look, I, they look, look pretty cool to me, but I'm someone who probably has the worst opinions on fashion ever. So you don't want to spend a half hour on this point right here. <laughs> I do not. Uh, October 1st, Steven Adams signed a contract extension, two years, 25.2 million. He will be with the Grizzlies unless they trade him, through the 24-25 season. Super glad to get that deal done for Steven Adams. Uh, we, we also made some points on our, our last podcast that actually ended up getting lost, so I'll make them here. We, uh, Steven Adams shows, I mean, this contract shows that, you know, we may or may not expect Jaron to, to be the starting five for the future. He might very well be the closing five and continue to play in those lineups, but I think this shows, uh, you know, maybe tips the hand of the front office there and what they expect in, those, in that respect. And also, Steven Adams has just been an awesome member of this team, willing to do the dirty work, sets amazing picks, and uh, is a great uh, partner for, for John Morant in that respect. So super glad to see that contract extension come through before the season started. Yeah, and shout out Stephen Adams' stats on Twitter and all the ways he shows us how important Stephen Adams is to the Grizzlies. 10-13-22, uh, again, I'm, I'm just killing the fashion reports here, but, uh, but I actually really, really like this. Bleacher Report and Mitchell and Ness released the Grizz remix uniforms. 
Um, and this is only five teams had this, but they kind of connected sort of a hip hop act with the uh, with the jerseys of the team, sort of the city that they are part of. So you had something like New York and Wu-Tang Clan, which that was pretty cool. Um, but I really like Three Six Mafia, of course, is the hip hop um, act that the Grizzlies uniforms were connected with. And I really like them. I think they're really cool. Um, if I had a lot of money to spend on things like that, I would be buying a lot of them. Uh, but they're, they're really cool. And I just think, uh, again, kind of going back to the Josh U deal, I think this is another news item that shows that we are becoming sort of a premier uh, team to the NBA and, and kind of in, in the pop culture, honestly. Yeah, it's a national brand. It's yeah. becoming that. Uh, so we're still waiting on two things. And on uh, October 17th, it's the deadline for, for not only the rosters, so we have to trim our roster down to 15 main main spots and two, two-way two spots. And then uh, the other thing is the Brandon Clark extension. There's a deadline of, uh, of October 17th, which is the day before the season kicks off. And that leads us to preseason. The Grizzlies wrapped up preseason last night against the Detroit Pistons, took home a win uh, with a three and two record. So we want to give you some of the things that we saw in those games, some takeaways that we had and Kraft, I'm going to pass the mic over to you to kick us off. Yeah. So the first thing was that a lot of debate uh, going into the season um, after media days about who was going to be the Jaron starter replacement uh, what we're, were we going to do there? Kind of rotation questions, and it very quickly became apparent after the first preseason game that Sante Aldama was going to be the starting four, and he did nothing um, to make any of us doubt that that is going to be the case. He played really well, um, and and th- so one of my big takeaways is Sante Aldama has really improved over the last year. Um, it looks like he is going to be a rotation level player for us this year, and. And uh, while he's not going to be the defensive player that Jaron is, I do think he's a floor spacer. I do think he provides athleticism. And, you know, he showed some – I think he can at least uh, average, be an average defender to maybe slightly above average with certain player uh, matchups, and that's very exciting to me. And really what really excites me going forward as someone who thinks that Jaron might be coming back sooner rather than later is Santi kind of being the Kyle replacement as the backup for – um, and him being able to potentially play with Jaron, play with Brandon Clark, uh, that's really exciting to me. I feel like that makes us really dynamic. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I was honestly a month or two ago, I was not expecting a lot from Sante Aldama. I was, I think, pointed more towards the rookies. But, but I actually think that this might be a year where we get, you know, Sante Aldama playing some serious minutes for us. He led the team in minutes throughout preseason, and he was fourth on the team in field goal. To- field goal attempts, fifth on the team in three-point attempts. I mean, they gave him the opportunities, and to me, I think he took advantage of them. I'm I'm excited to see him as a starter. And another thing I noticed, you mentioned Brandon Clark. If you look at the the majority bench lineups when we have them, especially at the end of the you know, second quarter around that time, uh, beginning of the second quarter, really, uh, you will see Brandon Clark in – with Santi Aldama, but Santi's at the four, like you were saying. Brandon Clark actually, you know, plays the five. You see Steven Adams in this role with the starting unit where it's sort of this Steven Adams at the elbow. We have a, a four other players outside the arc, uh, some cutting and slashing going on, but that's typically our setup, and Brandon Clark is that guy in the middle uh, in these bench lineups, and you'll see Santi in the corner. So I think it's 
it has potential to work well, especially if Aldama can hit shots from the, behind the arc. I think that's the key. Right. Because that's, you know, one of the things that makes uh, the, the Jaron, Brandon, Clark duo so good is that is that Jaron gets to space the floor on offense, but can cover, can, uh, you know, basically protect the rim on defense. And I feel like I don't, we're still like, it's, it'll be, I look forward to seeing if Aldama can be a really good rim protector, but he just seems like another player like that. And I actually even love the fact that uh, multiple times Aldama would get the defensive rebound and take it up and start sort of the offense and the fast break. I really like that too. So that was, that's, it was kind of a revelation to me, honestly. That was probably my biggest takeaway, just how excited I was that. Uh, for um, Aldama minutes coming. So, NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So I have a, a sort of a positive and a negative in the same theme, and it was the same old Grizzlies. And it, it's, that sounds negative, but I mean it in a good way. Uh, as far as consistency, continuity, if you look at our preseason statistics, we were third in steals overall in the league. And that's after losing Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton, who were, you know, they were in the top of our, you know, steals per game. Uh, what's the, the share of defense that they take up in that respect? Um, and that was super encouraging to see that this might not just be a player-based uh, statistic. It looks like it's trending towards being a team-based statistic, the system that we have. Um, one thing I did notice, though, is tw- we were 21st in blocks. And, I mean, if you look at our roster, who's playing right now, who had the lion's share of the blocks last year? Jaron Jackson. He's not on the floor yet. I expect that number to go up. And if it does, then that is a great... Um, opportunity for us to continue turning defense into offense, really the way we play. Now, on the downside of same old Grizzlies, quote-unquote, we were league average in field goal percentage, and we are also 28th in three-point percentage uh, throughout the preseason. One bit of context, though, Desmond Bain shot pretty poorly, except for, I would say, three halves. Um, So that is a very big part of our three-point volume. And if that guy isn't hitting, which he should be, uh, we have enough of a sample right now to think that he will. Um, That hopefully will bring the percentage up. But, you know, our our needs in the offseason that we identified before we got into trade and free agencies was more shooting and also more size, but really more shooting. And so if we can execute in that area, um, you know, I think will be really hard to beat, but it was something to note that we still were struggling. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's, I mean, I think that's perfectly said. Uh, you know, I, 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 I have got on some Twitter fights with some famous, uh, local Grizzlies media and NBA Twitter, uh, Grizz Twitter, uh, kind of celebrities personalities about this. Cause I think they all really, um, prized Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Mountain. And they were definitely always overlooked by by a lot of Grizz fans, and so I got that. But I, I did feel like 
while they have great talent um, at creating steals and turnovers, I, I do think it's a system thing, the way we play, the kind of the extreme comp, you know, the way we compete on defense. Um, but then I was also, uh, you know, I am nervous about the shooting. Uh, I think I feel optimistic in that, like you said, somebody like Desmond Bain didn't shoot well. I also just feel like that's sort of the thing that preseason rust, you know, I, I do think if you can create steals in preseason um, and you're or just showing energy on defense, that is going to stay the same in the regular season. I'm hoping that a lot of the missed shots were preseason rust. Um, but I was excited. The optimistic also is just we got a lot of open shots. We had a ton of open shots in the lane. Um, we had a ton of open shots uh, from the three-point line, and we were missing those. And so, you know, we are team floater. If we were missing floaters, we're missing wide open threes. I'm hoping those things will shift, and so the shooting numbers will get better. Because that is – I mean, that's uh, – being a really solid playoff team and then being an elite contender, that is really the difference is if we are making our shots. What was your, uh, your second takeaway? Yeah. So my second takeaway is that, uh, that I, um, well, honestly, I mean that John Bain looked great. Um, besides the fact that Bain uh, missed uh, a lot of three pointers, uh, I was just super excited about how he got to the basket, his movement away from the ball. I mean, it really was very kind of young Clay Thompson-esque in just his ability to get his shots up. I mean, I like the two games ago, you know, I was like, ah, you know, I hadn't kind of like he hadn't popped to me and he already had like 20, 25 points at that time. And so I just think the the ease with which he he scored points was just very exciting to see. And then uh, Ja, of course, uh, continues to look awesome, but I've been especially excited about sort of his energy on defense, him getting in passing lanes, him seeming to take that more seriously. And um, and then just looking also just – he just looks even faster and even more spry. You know, a lot of uh, – I was reading on Twitter, uh, just a couple people point out that, like, he loves to jump off two feet, but how he was doing a lot of really interesting stuff off one foot – um, in the lane and preseason and, and, and I also kind of liked the way I know he's been talking about the injury stuff. I've liked more the way I see him landing. Um, you know, it's still scary when he goes up there, but I, I feel like that the preseason work that we heard he had, um, the off season, all those things I think is, is paying off from what I see, you know, from pre it's all the caveats with preseason, but I definitely walked away with just jaw and Bane look awesome. Uh, there's just, I'm so excited about the season for them. Yeah, and I I also love to the fact that they did play. I think this is uh one thing that you see a lot of NFL people talk about is, you know, fading the teams in week 1 that didn't play their starters in preseason, and I know football's a lot different, but I I have to think that a lot of chemistry right out the gate has to do with how comfortable your guys are because of the time spent in preseason and the, the weeks beforehand. Um, and it sounded like our guys was, were even playing together before training camp started. And right. so it's great to see the, uh, like I said, I keep saying it, but the continuity that we have and how it is. I mean, we didn't have, you know, there were a couple showings in preseason where we just couldn't hit shots, but at the same time, we, we were getting to our spots. Right. It's just a matter of, are they going to go right. in? And we were competing on defense. And so even though our shots weren't going in, we were keeping the game close. Um, and I think, or at least making a comeback, even with like not great offense, because we were just competing so hard defensively. And that was something in the past with us as a young team. That's a very typical young 
NBA team thing to do, which is if we're not making our shots, we stop competing on defense, and that's when you get blown out. And I just think and our team seems to refuse to do that. I noticed that we were ranked first, which is actually a good thing, in uh, personal fouls. We only had 19 throughout the preseason, or excuse me, 19 a game uh, throughout the preseason. Maybe that is one benefit of maybe not having Jaron on the floor, but I thought that it was interesting. I mean, last year we were 17th in in foul rate, and so um, that's one thing to watch. I, I actually do think that that was a point. Uh, you have two of the the foul leaders on your team, and Brooks and and Jackson. And not not to say that um, you know they don't use those fouls to in the game, in the process of the game, in a positive way. But a lot of those are ones that you hope to avoid that lead to you know free throws or extra possessions for the other team. And so it was kind of encouraging to see that we were actually making progress in that area. Whether or not Jaron had a had a big part in that, we'll see. But I mean, that was actually that's actually one of the more exciting um, points you you make because uh, you know we um, we we dominated the possession battle last year. It's one of the reasons why we had such a good record, and but we did not dominate the free throw rate. And and if we are a team that's getting you know getting to be bigger we have less young guys more respect from the officials and just the way we attack the paint like crazy we should go to the free throw line a lot and felt like we did go to the free throw line a lot in preseason Um, but what's great is we usually also put the other team on the free throw line a lot and I was very excited to see that we were being we were continuing that sort of passing lanes creating turnovers going for block shots uh, type competitive defense but not doing as much fouls and of course preseason caveat they might call it differently once the regular season starts but I was very excited to see that and I actually think that might be um, an underrated because Melton and Kyle Anderson were also two people who fouled a lot um, as well and so uh, that might be an underrated some of our rookies our younger players um, like because Conchar and Aldama might foul a lot less than Kyle Anderson, Deanthony Melton. So that could be a fun way of potentially, you know, uh, adding to sort of our net rating, getting more free throws than the other team. Yeah, and if you take away fouls from the middle of the rotation, it allows guys who play aggressively like Dylan and Jaron to feel a bit more freedom in that area without worrying about the the team foul aspect. Because if you're not worried about team fouls, then it's not hurting you as much um, until maybe like the fourth quarter when you get really deep into the game. But um, yeah, I, I would love not to be in the bonus as much as, as teams were that we were playing against right. last year. Right, because when we get in the bonus early in quarter, when when we get in the bonus early in quarters, that's usually when blowouts happen because of the way we attack the paint. And then if people can't be handsy on us, um, we get to the rim a lot and shoot a lot of free throws. And so I'm excited about hopefully maybe sort of shifting that free throw rate from last year. Yeah, and I'm going to add on to that point real quick. So... Last year, speaking of free throws, this has been a pet peeve of mine about this particular Grizzlies team for a while. For some reason, we have just not looked great from the free throw line. We were 7th in free throw attempts last year, 28th in free throw percentage at 73.4%. In preseason, kind of the same story, but a little bit more improved because we were 2nd in free throw attempts and we were 22nd still in free throw percentage. Ironically, the same exact percentage down to the 10th decimal, 73.4 <laughs> again. And one thing I noticed when I was kind of digging into who's, you know, who's making, who's missing, of course, to be expected, Desmond Bain, over 90% from the line. Um, he had 155 uh, free throw attempts uh, last year. 
And uh, Dylan, on the other hand, had 106. And he surprisingly shoots really well from the line at 85%. And one point I would want to make, and I'm sure the coaching staff has dug into this a lot more than we have, but I would love to see that number switch around. I want to see Dylan attack a lot more, get to the line, because he converts them so much more (laughs) than he does his his normal kind of... Uh, three-point percentage, also bad shots. Yeah. Um, so I would love to see that number switch. And on the flip side, Bain has been, you know, you noted this, Bain has been so much more improved on getting to the basket, which I also love to see. However, I love to see Bain take the place of those Dylan shots behind the arc mm-hmm. and just see that free throw rate maybe swift around a little bit. Um, and Ja just has to shoot it better. Um, he's in the top 10 of free throws attempts in the league. He's shooting 76% right now. I'd love to see if he can get that up to 80. If he does, I think he is uh, going to become even more unstoppable. Um, but yeah, i just love to see it. Yeah, and that goes, I mean, both, I think, the free throw shooting and the we talked earlier about the three-point shooting. You know, my hope is preseason legs, getting up and down, a little tired. Also, just preseason you're not you're not putting in that focus on the free throw line. Not at all. So I that that's the hope is that those thing two things improve because those are really the two like some of the glaring stats about this team. Otherwise, it really does look like the old awesome Grizzlies. T- you know that and just if we can improve these things, we'll be elite. So what was your other takeaway? So so this and this is my favorite one again. Um, so I so one of my big takeaways was uh, Dylan Brooks. Um, looks promising to me in what I hope to see from him uh, in the sense that he did not, uh, he averaged only 10 shots a game in the preseason. He took uh, the third most shots behind Bain and jaw, which is the right amount. Uh, what's interesting is uh, I was looking, you know, and Sante Odama and Brandon Clark both averaged around eight shots. And I would l- love that when Jaron comes back, the hope would be that those like maybe eight shots that Odama gets Jaron's getting in the teens And then maybe, you know, Dylan is taking nine or less. I think that's, to me, a big metric going forward is seeing Dylan take single-digit shots, except for the games where he has it going, um, or at least, you know, single-digit kind of jump shots. Like, I I do also like him attacking the basket. But that sort of – that he looked great in that. I really liked how he was competing on defense. I know he's going to be, and this he will probably be a theme throughout these week to, weekend updates. Uh, we're going to be talking about Dylan until he either gets traded or until uh, or until the end of the season when we decide whether we're going to sign him again or not. I mean, all these things. Uh, Dylan's always that uh, that very controversial figure, but I was very excited that he looked like a more willing passer. He looked like someone who was not forcing too many shots. Um, you know, maybe only had an eye roll once, maybe twice a game instead of four or five times a game. And, and so he looked promising to me, you know, we won't know until Jaron comes back if he can deal with being fourth in the offensive pecking order. But I was actually, you know, again, aesthetically, it sometimes is frustrating. It's not as pretty. Like when that bench unit comes in and Dylan's on the bench, um, the flow is so much nicer to the eyes, but I just, I continue to think, he is so important on the defensive end and and kind of gives us an edge in that compete uh, in that in the way we compete that uh, that I was excited to see that he was definitely taking a step back behind Bane. And so that was something I was looking for and that he would pass it um, kind of be us, you know, 
a playmaker in some capacity, and it felt like he was willing to do that as well. So that was exciting to me. Yeah, he was 15th on the team in field goal percentage, and so he definitely still has to improve in that area. I think there's no question about it. And I, I don't know if if it is um, – I don't know if Dylan Brooks is long for the Grizzlies if he continues at that rate. Now, if he can bump it up a little bit, he's never going to be right. the most efficient player. At the same time, defense is half of basketball, and it's a half that never gets discussed. Um, it is the half that – um, is a lot harder to pick up on uh, the the nuances on offense. It's make or miss. It's did you make the right pass, did you not? It's easy to analyze offense a lot of times. It's a lot harder on defense. It's really hard to put into words the intangible aspect of having that edge. It's really hard to see that, um, or excuse me, to, to value it um, objectively. Um, however, I do think it does have value. I am so intrigued by Dylan this year because... <laughs> I also am am very much of the on the side of what's his plus minus. Like that's going to be the very first stat that I go to when I see a Dylan Brooks game because in a game like last night against the Pistons, you know he's still not making shots. He's putting up a lot in the first half, and yet you look at the score and we're up by twenty. So at that point in time, I do think you have to take into consideration where we are in the game, what's happening. Um, why why are we up by so much is because is it because of his defense on the other end that we're not allowing them to score you know context matters to me so much more for Dylan than any other player and so we're really going to have to watch intentionally right. this season yeah you know, and i mean and trust me i mean uh, uh, especially these last two games he got so many wide open looks and wide open threes and they just did not go in and that's when this most frustrating because i really think that uh, just Dylan, the guy who can hit a standstill three, is so important. And I, you know, and you see him making in warmups, uh, you know he can. Um, but it's it's frustrating that it's so inconsistent, especially when a lot of the other guys in the team, every time they shoot it, you think it's going in. Right. And like I was mentioning earlier, with the free throw point, attack the basket more. That would be my point for him. Attack the basket. You are dynamite from the line. Eighty-five percent is you know in the in the 85th percentile, literally, right. uh, of the of the league. And so do what, you know, gets you the best possible results and go from there. Uh, Dylan is going to be one to watch, um, for sure. Uh, I only had one more thing, and that was that I thought it was kind of weird that Zaire wasn't playing in the last two games but wasn't listed on the injury report. I don't know if that was because of, you know, wanting to spread out minutes elsewhere. I don't know what the coach's decision was on that. Did you have any idea on what was I mean, going there? I, reading some of the Grizzlies media people, there seems to be some kind of sore wrist thoughts. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that there was like a sore wrist or something like that. Um, but it is weird because he wasn't on the injury report. And, and so that was a little strange. And I also know, I mean, I noted that the open practice that the Grizzlies had last Sunday, where just kind of all the players goof around and get to meet the season ticket holders and all that stuff. Uh, he, he was not there for that either. So I don't, so it is a little bit like I'd love to know. I'd love to actually just say um, something about about it. But uh, the you know until until it's Wednesday night and he doesn't come in on the first you know one of the first people off the bench, I'm not going to be concerned. Yep. Um, okay. Any more preseason takeaways, or are we ready to move into our predictions? I think. I mean, just quickly. I think the rookies. Uh, you know, they had some good moments. Their rookies. 
Um, I think to anybody to be overblown. Um, just remember how people thought about Santel Dom last year at this time. And I think they're both very promising, had some great moments. Um, I really liked how both competed on defense, that being Roddy and LaRavia. And I actually really liked, I thought Kennedy played really well. I thought there was a uh, definite improvement from Summer League. And uh, so in that sense, I just, I'm excited about them. But I also think if we're fully healthy, they're probably not going to play very much. Yep, exactly. Especially when Jaron comes back, you look at the top 10 in the rotation, which Jenkins likes to play. And um, it would be the easiest move not to have, not to play a rookie in those 10. But at the same time, you have insurance. You feel like you have three, I would say two main, obviously between Roddy and LaRavia, two competent wings who can come in and fill in some gaps. And uh, hopefully we see some, some good improvement there. Um, all right, let's get into our uh, our Grizzlies predictions here. We've each come up with uh, three or four, so I'm going to let you start on these. Okay, so so I'm 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 going pretty bold in some of these. Um, I'll start uh, with probably I guess if you've listened to our other podcasts, and I would definitely recommend listening to Over Under. It had one of my favorite, uh, even just list if you want to listen to the Grizzlies one. I had one of my favorite monologues ever. It was unbelievable. <laughs> we're we're going to clip that and just have it on a loop. Uh, that, uh, so I'll just go ahead and say that, you know, one of my predictions is I do think we're going to be first in the Western conference. I think, uh, that just our continuity, I just, I, I really believe in that. I believe in our culture. And I think that the one team above us is going through it and is having a lot of issues. They have an aging superstar and, uh, you know, for all the reasons uh, that we covered in the other podcast. So I think the Suns are just looking to kind of decline a little bit. They'll still be good, but but definitely decline. I think the Warriors are going through a little bit. I also sometimes question how much how seriously they're going to take the regular season. And honestly, there's some really other good teams that we talked about, Denver Nuggets, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. I just, for the regular season, think that they are going to have some – uh, issues with just getting back in their stars, figuring out the rotations. They have a lot of new pieces. And and obviously with the Clippers, I just think they're going to rest a lot of people all the time. So I just think for us, we're going to take the regular season very seriously. We have continuity. Um, and so I just uh, see us being the same that we were. So I'm predicting us to be first in the Western Conference. Mine is connected in a way um, because my point on that podcast, which again, you should go listen to it, was that I, I discounted a few games uh, because of Jaron Jackson and the absence there. But one of my predictions is that we are going to see Jaron return. I'm going to predict an exact game. I think he's going to return on November 9th at the Spurs. And the reason I think that is because the team has been very bullish on his return being on the you know nearer side of of the expected timeline, which was between the end of October and the end of December, um, he himself has uh, made some social media posts and things like that, where you know he said soon, and who knows what to believe there. I'm not reading too much into it, but it's not as if he's had you know nothing to say on the topic, and we have a huge game. On ESPN, Friday night, uh, November 11th, I believe, against the Timberwolves. I think that level of game would be one where, you know, if you're looking at the early side of the timeline, like that one makes sense from a hype perspective, but I don't think the Grizzlies are going to put all of that, all their eggs in that basket because of the spotlight. I think instead they're going to bring him back one game early 
at the Spurs. You know, you have you have a good challenge in Yaka Pirtle. Like he's a competent big, but at the same time, it's a game that you're not expecting to have to really fight too hard to maybe take home a win. Yeah. Um, I think it makes the mo- it's not at home, so you give him just a maintenance game, and then he's back uh, earlier than everyone ex- expects. And uh, that's my prediction. And I would love for that prediction to become true. That would be great. What's your second? So my second one is, uh, is I think Desmond Bain is going to be an all-star reserve this year. Big time. Uh, So I look in, um, we, there are three, uh, we have Donovan Mitchell who's left the West. um, And we have DeJounte Murray who left the West. And we still, everybody's still trying to figure out how Andrew Wiggins was an all-star starter. Um, and in, you know, and if, if K-pop stars get on TikTok and make that happen again, maybe, but, but I assume that's not going to happen again. And I do not expect Andrew Wiggins to be an all-star reserve. So that looks to me as three spots opening up in the West. And I know a lot of guys are coming back from injury, uh, that didn't play last year, but I think a lot of those people are going to struggle a little bit because they're coming back from injury. And I just think that, and I predict the Grizzlies are going to have a good record. I predict the coaches when they're picking the reserves are going to look and say, Oh, Grizzlies are one of the best teams. You know, who's somebody besides jaw. And I think Desmond Bain is just going to have a great year. I really expect him to take a big leap and to be just, uh, that player that everybody's talking about. And so for me to see him kind of get rewarded with one of those last all-star reserve, uh, picks is is that is my prediction that, that Desmond Bain will be an all-star I would also love for that prediction to come true that would make it a lot more fun um, okay so my prediction for John Morant this season is that he is going to qualify for his uh, his extra uh, bump in salary uh, due to an all-NBA team I wanted to say first team uh, I'm a little hesitant I could if I was just going to be bold but I'm going to say he's going to make the second team all-NBA again uh, like he did this past season but my caveat is I think smart NBA people will believe that it was a snub and that he should have been first team all NBA. It is very difficult when you are considering Luka Doncic to be a guard just because he's going to have the stats. Right. Um, everybody in NBA media already believes that he is, you know, the second coming of whatever. Yeah. Uh, and Curry is also hard to compete with. Right. Um, even though Curry was also second team last year and Booker got that first team spot. And so, uh, you're basically uh, discounting the two sons. So Chris Paul and Booker both got uh, two slots on that All-NBA team. You got to think that was because the Suns won more than 60 games. Um, Trey Young was also on there. Donovan Mitchell going to the East helps a lot in this respect. Um, and so I think Ja has a great shot at first team, uh, but I'll say that he is the uh, the snub of All-NBA, and he's going to still be second team, which is not bad because it means you're a top 10 player in the NBA. Uh, my uh, third prediction is I believe that when the Warriors and Grizzlies meet in uh, on December 25th, that they are going to be the number one and number two teams in the NBA, not just Western Conference. I think they're going to have the two best records, and it's going to be a huge game that, uh, that ESPN ABC is going to be selling big time. Um, you know, I don't expect the Warriors to stay around that area, and I expect some other teams to compete um, for the one, two seeds. But I do think that, um, just looking at schedules and various other things, I think the Warriors and Grizzlies will both be the two top teams in the league when they play December 25th. I think that Desmond Bain, and I've said this before, but I think he's going to have a 40 point game in the first 10 games. And I think that it's going to be, you know, that could be the first step in his, uh, all-star journey. 
Uh, but I think it's going to happen. We're going to go through in just a second uh, a little exercise on the first 10 games, and I think you're going to see the opportunity. Yeah. There's all I'm going to say. And it's uh, he needs to be taking more shots. I think he will take more shots. And if his efficiency is anywhere near uh, what it has been, uh, I think he's going to hit that 40 mark. Yeah, Jaws already tweeting about Desmond Bain being an all-star. Yep. He's <laughs> already coming. Uh um, and then I just had a final, and this really goes with more of the first and Western conference and we've already discussed it a lot, so I won't hit on it too much, but I really do predict that we're going to have the same kind of possession advantage, um, that we had last year, just destroying people on rebounds, creating turnovers, not having a lot of turnovers ourselves. It looks like, you know, maybe even free throw shooting as well. Um, I just see that happening, especially once Jaron comes back. I just see us dominating that possession uh, game like we did last year. You know, and I think that to me against, I think many people who think the loss of um, Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton are going to really hurt that. I really don't think it will. I think we'll see us be just as good in all those areas where we were elite last year. So there's your, those are your Grizz predictions uh, from us on the weekend update. I'm sure there will be more throughout the season as we get going and, and kind of see how things are shaking out league-wide. Um, but, John, you had something that you've been doing now uh, for some time. Is that correct? You've yeah, been, so, I've, years. so I've um, uh, shout out to the, the league Slack thread. But uh, one of the things that I've done for a couple years is I predict the 10 games um, every 10 games, I predict what I think the Grizzlies record will be in those 10 games. And one of the reasons I do that is because it's helpful when Grizzlies lose a close game or when there's a weird shot variance game like last year in the Miami Heat shot like 90% from three and killed us. And to like it's easy to kind of get down as a fan, but then not look at the big picture. And so for me, it's always nice to say, here's what I kind of think they'll do in these 10 games, because oftentimes in a 10 game span, you're going to lose one you don't expect, but you're also going to win one you might not expect and kind of get a feel. And then and when that prediction is really wrong, that's when I think I can get more like, oh, like we're really struggling or, you know, or like what happened last year, which is, oh, I was expecting us to go like five and five without jaw and we went 10 and oh. Um, and so those sorts of senses where you can get a real good read on the team. And so I think that's a fun thing for us to do. And that way we'll also have kind of eight check-ins throughout the year um, of kind of where the Grizzlies are um, and where they're and where we hope they're going to be going. So I'm going to read out the first 10 games and then John, I'm going to let you make your prediction first. I'll make it second. And then maybe next time around, I'll go first. You go second. Yeah. We can switch off that way. So the first game is this coming Wednesday, October 19th, Knicks at home on ESPN. Uh, October 21st, a couple days later, in Houston, we're playing the Rockets. The next day after that, our first back-to-back of the season uh, at the Mavericks. Mavs uh, always get us, always get this, that schedule help with us. It's exactly. So uh, October 24th at home against the Nets. And then we go on a four-game road trip. So October 27th, we're at the Kings. October 29th and 31st, back-to-back in Utah against the Jazz, both of those games. Uh, November 2nd at Portland, and then home and home for the last two of this first 10. Uh, November 4th against the Charlotte Hornets, November 6th 
against the Washington Wizards. What is your prediction yeah, for so, the first 10 games? So my prediction is 7-3, and three, which if you know me and my, you know my optimism uh, and you can see the teams we're playing, it's surprising that it's so low. And the reason why it's 7-3, and three, um, one is I'm, I'm starting out conservative. Uh, I admit that. But one is uh, one trend that we have had in the three years of the Jaw Jenkins uh, you know, next gen era is that we've gotten off to uh, slow starts. Um, we we started ten and ten the last two seasons. Um, we tend to get off to slow starts. I think that's because we're a system team, and um, and so and I also it's like the good and the bad. The good is we're playing some really bad teams early, and so maybe we can get some good momentum. Also, because we're not going to be at full strength without Jaron. The bad is that some of these teams still have some belief. And some of these teams might not totally have tanked yet. Some of these teams, uh, like the Jazz, will still have a couple good players. They haven't traded away yet. Uh, and so for that reason, um, also that that three and four is pretty tough that we have there. I mean, the at Houston, which I think is going to be a sneaky good team early. And then you have at Mavs. And then you have the Nets. Um, who, who knows what they're going to bring, but they have three guys who've been all NBA. <laughs> so uh, so with that, I'm just going to say seven and three. Um, I hope to go more. Anything less than that with as easy as a schedule, I think uh, would be very would make me very upset. But I think seven and three. We did not speak beforehand. I also have seven and three. Ironically enough, a team that we always have trouble with for whatever reason is uh, Sacramento in Sacramento. That is one. I went through the 10 games and I said, which ones am I 50 50 on? Which ones am I pretty sure over 50% chance? Which ones am I under 50% chance? There was only one game that I was under 50% chance sure that we would win, and it was at the Sacramento Kings, which makes no (laughs) sense. It's based on no rational thought. It's just that we always lose a game early in Sacramento, and it seems to be the one that you look back on. You're like, what? What happened? Yeah, what and, happened then, and then two, three days of, of we're terrible, trade everybody, talk, and yeah, all those, those exactly. things. Exactly. So I've got – we both have seven and three. Yeah, so very it'll interesting. Be, it'll be interesting, interesting. to see. Uh, I have definitely some on the schedule that I would, um, you know, hope to be uh, win more than others, even though at the end of the day – I will take any seven and three of right. the bunch. Um, so, and also, and I should have said also with that, we, I mean, and I, I'm hope trying to get over it because we've done better recently, but being a Grizzlies fan for 20 years, uh, we don't, we don't like to play well in our home openers either. No, not and at so, all. And it worries me that it's such a spotlight as well. Yes. And so just for those reasons, I'm going conservative. I mean, it seems weird to say conservative seven and three, but the schedule is very weak for the first 10 games. We're playing a lot of opponents. People do not expect to be in the playoffs. If you look at the last five games, Jazz, Jazz, Blazers, Hornets, Wizards. I mean, those four teams are four teams that I expect in March to be, February, March to be shutting it down. Yeah. And so um, we'll see. We'll see. Right. Um, okay. Well, we have reached the end of our first weekend update. We have a few things to watch for. We have uh, three games between now and the next recording. So, of course, we just discussed a few of them. Nick's home game on Wednesday, season opener at Rockets and at Mavs on Friday, Saturday of next weekend. Also, like I mentioned, the deadlines for um, 
the Brandon Clark extension and the uh, uh, finalizing the roster are in just a few days. And so we'll be watching for that. Hopefully we see an extension come through. And uh, the last thing I'll say is uh, we want to hear from you. So we have a Gmail account now, uh, grizdenpod at gmail.com. Grizz spelled with two Zs. Uh, So send us your predictions for uh, the Grizzlies. Send us your takeaways. We'd love to hear from you. We might share a few on air. So email us in at grizdenpod at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, all the things, and go listen to the uh, the two uh, podcasts we recorded with uh, Tyler Brantley earlier this week. It'll get you primed for this season. Anything else, Kraft, that yeah, we missed? Yeah, and definitely, and that's one of the things, um, I think we already mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but but we hope to have some kind of, a lot of takes on the league in general and, and kind of have some fun NBA takes, but we figured concentrating the Grizz this time um, because we, we, we recorded two and a half uh, maybe almost close to three hours worth of content on the rest of the league uh, this week. And uh, I'm proud of both those podcasts. So go listen to them as well when you get a chance. We've got receipts, folks. We so. do. We do. Unfortunately, for the first time, I have to deal with my receipts. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us here at Weekend Update. We are excited to talk to you once a week for Craft. I'm Will. Thanks for joining us.